Drunk Mythology Friends. I'm Kate. And I'm the other Jen. And we're the Drunk Mythology Drunk Gals. Mythology Gals. <laughs> Whoa, that was way too easy. <laughs> I know. I'm out of practice. Like I was just trying to stay on point and yeah. I didn't even think, see, this is why we need OG, but yeah. 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 Any idea where she is this week? I I'm coming up empty this week. I just I I, I, got, I heard yeah. she was at a swim up bar with a bottle of Patron. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That will go in the not to scale. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am writing it down. <laughs> we'll we'll explain that joke at the not to scale post for this episode. So if you want to see that yeah. and get it, you got to go to the website, drunkmythologygals.com, yes. check out, out not to scale. So this week or last week was supposed to be a simple second part to J-Hope's jar and I was planning on just diving into Natalie Haynes's brilliant examination of the myth of Pandora in her book, Pandora's Jar. But um, aside from like now being in week four of whatever medical hell I'm in yeah. with the we'll, stomach thing. and We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I also got sucked into a rabbit hole. Did you know they have vacuum power? And it kind of came back around to pulp detective novels, misogyny, a French lesson, and something Haynes mentioned about 19th century American literature and explains why I always hated it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, sacrifices to Odin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was legit eating rye crackers this this morning today um i texted you last night mm -hmm. around 8 p.m my yeah. time i started seeing stars in my vision and if anybody else has those experiences where they start seeing stars in their vision they know exactly what came next a migraine Ugh, classic yeah. migraine what did i do i closed the laptop I got up, went, got my migraine pills, took one, and promptly did my daily French lesson on Duolingo so I don't lose <laughs> on your my phone. Theory. So what on was the point phone. of closing the laptop? I know. I got a text from you like late last night. I'm like, I thought she said her brain was fried and she went to bed. Apparently, like learning another language is just another form of relaxation for a Ravenclaw. Uh, yeah. So I have, when I start seeing the stars, I have about 30 minutes until the pain is going to show up. Ooh. Well, at least you have a warning sign. Yes. And I, I've learned that only about a quarter of migraine sufferers get the aura. Oh, really? But, yeah. And, it, and it's, for the most part, it's about a, people range from 20 minutes to an hour before the pain hits. For me, it's it's around 30 minutes before, wow. before the pain's going to hit. So. The faster I can pop that migraine pill, yeah, the better job it does suppressing the pain. And it, God bless modern technology and all big the pharma, yeah, <laughs> right. Whoever came up with Imatrex, you are my heroes. I am forever indebted to 
Imitrex people. It's, yeah, um, that it's life saving. Um, so yeah, I I have this like thirty minute window. I'm like, okay, I pop the pill. I go change into like comfy pajama bedtime clothes. Put the trash can next to the bed in case this gets bad. Oh boy, because <laughs> yeah, sometimes they get that bad. You know, I no shame in that. When I was yeah. a kid, and we didn't really. We hadn't a clue because nobody thought to test for it that like I had kidney issues. Um, I used to get these random bouts of horrible nausea and bless my mother. She said, I'll go get the barf bowl. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've always called it that like it just we always had the barf bowl. (laughs) Yep. And then as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm doing my Duolingo French lesson so that I don't lose my streak you're like, getting I pretty know it, good actually because yeah. I know at this point I'm not it once the pain hits I'm out mm-hmm. there will be no no French yeah and I mean does the Imitrex reduce the pain or does it help you sort of just sleep through it or it it reduces the pain it it's a I, I googled it earlier actually because I was curious it's a pain blocker sure. <laughs> of course yeah it's actually blocking the pain receptors in the brain. So it, I, I please don't ask me to explain that. Maybe somebody, one of our listeners yeah, can no, it's, do a more layman terms explanation. Um, but I think from what I can remember, pain is like a message being transferred mm-hmm. along your nerves. Yep. And so Imitrex stops the message from being transferred. Fascinating. So I actually, uh, interestingly, do know a little something about this because in my freshman biology class in college, we had a section on neurochemistry, neurobiology, whatever it was. And I remember C and D fiber pain. And apparently it's it's the time delay between the actual impact of something causing pain and when you actually feel the pain. So like, you know, when you bump your elbow, you're like, oh shit, that's going to hurt. And then it hurts. Right. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. So, right. <laughs> and and I, I make no claims that anything I just said about the Imitrex is accurate. I, I think I got it right, but. I... <laughs> hey, Imitrex, if you're out there and listening and would like to support us. <laughs> I love you, Imitrex. Please And I have the us. perfect voice for doing the, uh, if you suffer from migraines, please consult your doctor. <laughs> and we can say all sorts of things. We can slip yeah. all of that right into your little disclaimer, Imitrex. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I will sing Imitrex praises. I've been an I, I'm never more than 30 minutes away from my prescription bottle at any given time. It is always yeah. that close that I can get to the bottle usually within, you know, like five minutes. No, that's that's really good. Um, I, I do not go anywhere without it readily on hand. So um, are you yeah. better now? Um, yeah. So th- this morning I, I wake up and I'm just, it's almost like a hangover, but you didn't get to have the fun part. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm, I'm fragile. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know exactly how that feels. I've been feeling kind of fragile myself. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes. Uh, so, 
you know, the tests came back. It wasn't H. pylori or what we were suspecting and don't really know. I do have a follow-up with a transplant clinic tomorrow and I'm, tomorrow is ostensibly, please Odin, I will <laughs> offer you all rye crackers that I come across <laughs> in future. Ostensibly my last day of antibiotics because the cure has yeah. been almost worse than the cause. <laughs> and um, it, Some of our listeners may not realize that we missed dropping an episode last week. Yeah. Because life was just beating us up. Including- I literally ha- could only look at a yeah. screen for a few minutes at a time at one point yes. last week because I was just yeah. between nauseous and then the other, the flip yeah. side of nauseous. <laughs> um, yeah, I've not had yeah. a very enjoyable existence about for about 10 days and now. And then before, even before the antibiotics, like. It- yeah, it's been about two and a half weeks. It was Easily. right after our last. In fact, I think he, the symptoms were starting with J Hope's jar. Yeah. That last. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, I've been like going in massive anxiety circles because we haven't dropped an episode. <laughs> so. Same. Same. Yeah. <sighs> but I, I will share one little bright spot because I think sometimes we need bright spots because I also, yes. you know, I found out that a very dear friend of mine, her husband, passed away and you know just Aww. shit has been horrible and so yeah for for everybody out there who knows and loves our pod dog horseradish yeah he just had his one ish year checkup from the rescue and post major dental where they took all his teeth out wow. and dr julia at Bixby Animal Hospital here in Long Beach is his vet and she is wonderful. I adore this woman and she's so good with him. And he's doing great. Yeah, he's got a little bit more arthritis and a little bit more cataracts, but for a dog that's almost 16, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. So, and he's just a happy little guy. He's going to get groomed, which... Well, that'll make me happy and so yeah <laughs> we're we're gonna try and get back on track and I I really apologize to everybody but yeah. you know it's just um if I can't look at a screen it's really hard to record <laughs> right so yeah so here's the this is gonna be an interesting question what are you drinking um water ice water <laughs> and popsicles that's basically ice what water. I have been living on for the past two weeks yeah, today I am water and orange Gatorade, <laughs> putting some electrolytes. Okay, in. look. Even though I didn't even, I didn't you, even lose you know, any electrolytes. I, I, I'm just, I just, I have to say this because what the fuck? You know that we have the red versus green Gatorade debate. Are you just opting out? Are you, are you like, oh hey, I'm over here in Switzerland? But even fucking OG is like, I'm Swiss and I'm on the green Gatorade side. <laughs> It's what we had. I just <laughs> we had orange. That's what was there. That, uh, that I don't uh, care. FYI, team red Gatorade for the win forever. I'm team whatever is available that I don't have to go to the store and buy. <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> oh crap! The disclaimer. <laughs> Kate, I'm literally crying laughing right now. I 
literally have It's going to be one of those episodes. And I know that I say that almost every single episode, but this one's going to be fucking special. Enjoy the okay. laughing now because you're not going to laugh later. Oh, fun. Okay. So do not drink and drive to swim up bars. Do not drink <laughs> um, cars, chariots, eight legged horses. Um, Bottles of Imitrex. <laughs> Bottles of Imitrex. Yeah. Do not drink while taking, you know, Imitrex. Do not pain meds. drink while taking yeah. Imitrex. Side effects can include podcasting. <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm done. That's just carry All on. right. Let's let's just go with that because yeah, we need to get started because a long time ago, when the world was young and apparently just as fucked up as it is today. You want to guess what the Bible, Greek mythology, pulp fiction, and 19th century literature all have in common? No. (laughs) I can tell you. It's one French phrase. Cherchez la femme. Oh, okay. Cherchez. I'm trying to see if I can come up with what that... It's a verb. Yes. Uh, Very good. Very good. Um, Gold star. Yeah. And because it ends in EZ, I'm thinking it's a formal U. Yes. It's a formal and or formal plural. 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 plural U. And then la femme is the woman. Yep. And Um, if you haven't come to that point in Duolingo where they taught you this particular word, that's fine. Yeah. I I don't know. It it makes me think of purchase. That uh, verb is similar. it's interesting because the uh, C-H-E, because the word to buy is achete. Yes, A-C-H- that's the word. Yeah. You know, so, um, but chercher means look for. Oh. And so it literally means look for the woman. But idiomatically, it means it's always because of a woman. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that could go positive or negative. It goes negative. Oh. 99.99. Like there is just like hope in the bottom of the jar. There's Mm -hmm. (laughs) a, a, it's a, a statistical anomaly if it ever is positive. So, but I, you know, I was really trying to wrap my head around how to frame this discussion of Pandora based on Natalie Haynes's chapter in her book, Pandora's Jar. And when she mentioned Chercher la Femme, I was like, that's it. Because it, it's the whole sort of gut feel of how we approach this discussion and all of the rabbit holes that I got <laughs> lost in. So have you ever watched Dateline? I'm, I'm sure I've been in a room when it's been on the TV. Yeah, it's one of those like 42 minute true crime, you know. Okay. Emotionally interesting, but also slightly sanitized, uh, you know, network true crime stories. Okay. Got it. It's like 48 hours or 2020, you know what I mean? Gotcha. So you can bet dollars to donuts that the cops are always going to look at the spouse first in the case of a woman or a man being murdered got it yeah and 
you know, if it's a wife that's murdered, they look at the husband. But if it's a husband who's murdered, they always look at the wife first. I mean, statistically, it makes sense. I mean, there are actually only a microscopic number of true stranger danger murders every year. Huh. Yeah. Okay. But this also, you know, if I take look for the woman, look for the man, look at who you're blaming. And I think about the stories in both Greek and Norse mythology and so many mythologies that we talk about in history. Yeah. It kind of had me going the first down the first rabbit hole. And I, I felt the need to support what I'm about to get into as we unspool this story of Pandora with some cold, hard facts from the Mm. national coalition against domestic violence. Oh, I know. Um, I told you to enjoy your laugh. You're not going to laugh right now. So, but other Jen, if you would just share these statistics, you know, I like statistics. You're not going to like these. This is mean. You're you're turning my passion against me. If (laughs) I can't enjoy booze and food, nobody can enjoy anything. (laughs) Okay. On average, nearly 20 people per minute Per minute, 20 per people minute. per minute. Male and or female and or uh, trans or uh, he, right. she, they. Regardless of gender, mm-hmm. 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. Holy shit. Okay. 10 people well, just yeah. in the 30 seconds we you read that. Yeah. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner contact sexual violence, and or intimate partner stalking. This is not me dot stalking my daughter. This is very different. (laughs) No, that is you dot stalking in order to prevent any of this shit from happening. Yeah. Okay. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors such as slapping, shoving, pushing, and in some cases might not be considered, air quotes, domestic violence. And and I'm going to presume that this means outside of that whole category of kink where this is consensual type stuff. As long as it's safe, sane, consensual... It's whatever not in this rules you set and however you want to play, have right. at it. Yes, but, but you know this if is it's looking some... at this is not yes, and and agreed this on. is sort of the yeah. you know by what's not considered quote unquote domestic violence. I, I don't know for certain, but my my instinctual reaction to that is oh, it's stuff that doesn't leave a mark. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Continue. One in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what they 
define as injured. Um, I'm guessing maybe that's probably something that leaves a mark, leaving a mark, maybe <laughs> or that's, requires that's medical the, care. Yeah, maybe that's the differentiation there. Mm-hmm. Okay, one in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. The data is unavailable on male victims. I mean, there there is some data out there, but it's, it, you know, sadly and ironically, it it is only recently, you know, that male victimization in domestic violence situations um, has started to be collected. And, right. you know, yeah. it's the equivalent of male DV data being back in like the late 70s compared to you know, right. Where women's data is today. So anyway, yeah. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence, such as beating, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Yep. Wow. Mm hmm. Only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. So out of all of those people being injured, roughly a third of them, only Mm -hmm. a third of them are getting treated. Yeah. And, you know, that could be internalized shame it could be external cultural pressures it could be a lack of transportation resources or money yeah it could be fear of retribution lots of things can stop you from you know actually getting the help you need one in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to the point in which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed. Yep. Mm-mm-mm. But I, This is the kind of stuff you see in movies and just think, oh, this only happens in movies. No, this stuff no. happens in real life. And, and when it happens, it's, it's very real, but it doesn't have a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Victims of intimate partner violence lose a total of 8 million days of paid work each year, collectively. Yep. Like if you take all of the days that are lost because mm-hmm. of... Stress, injury, whatever. Yeah. It adds up over the year, over across all of those people to 8 million days worth of paid work. Which kind of makes you wonder why corporations aren't jumping on this shit and being like, hey, if we want more productivity and more money out of people, like, let's solve this. But I mean, that, that would actually require an upfront investment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of things would have to change. Yeah. I mean, the accounting of social violence is one of the easy, one of the more easily fixable. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Figures, but whatever. Yeah. Alrighty. Between 21 to 60% of victims. That's a big range. 
It is, but I'll finish it, reading it to see what this yeah. is. Between 21 to 60% of victims of intimate partner violence lose their jobs due to reasons stemming from the abuse. And I can, I can say okay. that uh, this one um, I know about and, you know, it's either directly because of, you know, you've missed too much work or, um, right. you know, you have to quit or something forces you to the wear and tear and stress on your performance right. at work. Yeah. You know, so it, you know, it has very, you know, probably the 20% range is the more absolute direct correlation and the 60% right. is the cumulative hopscotching A to B to C. Right. Right. Got it. Domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. Uh, well, the, the, the depression rate. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That I get that. Yeah. Suicide. It's the only um, way to escape sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just, it, you'd rather go to sleep forever than wake up to another day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oof. All right. 72% <laughs> of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner. Murder, murder. Okay, murder suicides. Yeah, got it. He so that's a kills people. her and then kills himself, basically. Right. Or she kills him and then kills herself. Or uh, he kills him, kills himself. She kills her, kills herself. Whatever the. Well, we're going to put a finer point on that. <laughs> oh, are we? Yeah. Okay. Ninety-four percent of the victims of these murder suicides are female. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, all right. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. Uh, okay. Exposed? Exposed could be they hear it in another room. Exposed okay. to they see their mom with a bruise or their dad has a cut okay. on his face or, okay. you know, they hear the argument and they're not sure what they're, maybe they're too young to really understand what they're seeing or they have to okay. go to grandma's or something. You know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. But, so one in, one in 15 children. Yes. Of those who are exposed to it, 90% of those are eyewitnesses to the violence. Oh, that breaks my heart. I All of this breaks my heart, yeah. but even more so when there are children. Yeah. And, and, and pets too. I mean, I know it's not quite the same, but you know, I know that it can really affect the stress and temperament of a pet yeah. who is very yeah. attached to one of the partners and, you know, and also, um, I didn't go down the rabbit hole of how this perpetuates <laughs> the cycles of abuse and victimhood, but it does. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Last one. You really want to, you really want to go this? I do. You really want to. I have no problem I, throwing down. I'll take the flack on this one. Okay. 
The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. 500%. Yes. But we don't have a gun problem in America. <laughs> mm. I mean, did you catch that heavy irony? Because I wouldn't blame you if it didn't catch it, because it's kind of the kind of irony that could crush you. And I, I really, it's important to include that last one because... I, you know, when I was copying this list of domestic violence facts into the script, I kind of lost count of how many boxes I myself checked off, mm. including that last one that I very pretty narrowly escaped. Yeah. So, but, you know, if someone like me is a statistic and, you know, people were like, but, but you're smart, you're educated you're capable and it's like i'm a statistic it doesn't matter right. my mother's childhood is a statistic my friends right. are statistics like this yeah. is you know and i know this was fucking heavy but it's also really fucking important and i'm drawing a bloody red line all the way back to goddamn hesiod and homer with this, because you know, the foundational pillars of Western culture and values. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, let's take a look back at Zeus and Leda and Eo oh, oh, and Europa. I, I'm still, oh, I'm so enraged from the, what, the Leda. Uh, yeah. And, and the rage all came back as I went back and did the not to scale post for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and Helen kidnapped by Paris, Leda's daughter. Oh, is that family cycle? I don't know. Um, Hera attacking Echo because of Zeus's infidelity. Medusa raped by Poseidon and cursed by his niece, Athena. Penelope having to protect herself, but not only herself, but her servants from forcibly being taken by any of the male quote-unquote guests that just decided to camp out in her house while Odysseus was gone. And we haven't even started to talk about the fucking Greek tragedians and what they did to Clytemnestra and Cassandra and Antigone and Electra and Jocasta and Medea. Wow. And as I was processing a lot of this, which might explain some of the nausea and anxiety. I don't know. But why was any of this ever acceptable? What made it I, okay? That's my to, question. Yeah. What made it okay to turn these horrible stories into accepted cultural myths and then tell them to kids as bedtime stories? Because you know what? That's what Nathaniel Hawthorne, yeah, that guy from the 19th century, he, I, I know the name, but I can't. Am I supposed to place who that uh, is? You might just live Google him for a second because he wrote a series of children's bedtime stories based on Greek mythology. Oh, okay. It says American novelist. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hawthorne. And I'm. you're going to... Well, okay. What? Uh, American novelist, short story writer... His works often focus on history, morality, and religion. He was a New England Puritan. 
Okay, born. He in lived in Salem, Salem Massachusetts. Yep. House uh, of Seven Gables. Uh, I believe the Scarlet Letter. Um, the Scarlet Letter and the yep. House of Seven Gables are the two best yep. known. Uh, and the Scarlet Letter is about a woman being punished for adultery. Yeah, and the man getting off. Yeah, but you know he had he's not entirely blameless because the way he recasts a lot of these stories for kids it's it he paints the woman as the villainous without a second fucking thought wow and when i talk about even though i make jokes and my rage is kind of comical when i talk about trying to look at these stories and myths from a different perspective or dig a bit deeper to see the history behind them. Like, you know, maybe Leda had a swan-shaped dildo that she got caught with and was humiliated, you know, right. Because right. of it's not because I'm trying to wave a flag of radical feminism or revisionist history. It, it's not about cancel culture. It's about consequences. Words matter. Stories matter. It's how we learn as a species and pass that knowledge on. We continue to accept good and quote unquote important stories that present violence against women without context, consequence, or critique. We allow our culture to continue implicitly accepting that violence against women and children is normal occasionally funny haha she got fucked by a swan and will generally go unpunished yeah it's and myths like pandora and myths and i i'm i will die on that hill myths like even the apple isaac sarah hagar leah dinah jezebel bathsheba susanna and the elders esther mary magdalene and i am looking at you peter chapter three verses one through six you've got a lot to fucking answer for oh you're gonna make me google that it's the woman one about a woman should be obedient to her husband oh i i keep sweet baby so I, I, I can't go there today. <laughs> not today, not which is today. also a BTS song. <laughs> but you know what? It's also the same with you, Hesiod, Homer, and you too, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and Alexandre Dumas-Père. You didn't forget I was also going to tie in 19th century literature, French literature to this. Oh yeah. my goodness. Back to our regularly scheduled rage, because say it with me. Nothing, nothing is fucking is new. new. <laughs> Because let's come back to chercher la femme. Okay. Look for the woman. And it's not in a good connotation. Nope. So Alexandre Dumas wrote that iconic line in his 1854 mystery novel, The Mohicans of Paris. Mohicans of Paris? Yes. Mohican as in the indigenous North American culture. And I'm not going to discuss that any further because the 19th century French use of indigenous North American tribal names is a deep dive for another time once my blood pressure settles down a bit. Because if you want to experience some batshit bananas racism, yeah! Okay. (laughs) But what Dumas meant when he wrote Chercher la Femme is that, stop me if this seems familiar, 
women are always at the root of whatever evil men do or whatever is going wrong in a man's life. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. Several times in the novel, Dumas' detective character named the Jackal says, Cherchez la femme. Pardieu, cherchez la femme. Oh my God. And Pardieu <laughs> is a little uh, antique 19th century colloquialism which means by god so look for the woman by god look for the woman wow dumas takes it further in the 1864 dramatization of the novel for the stage because what is a good misogynistic racist fucked up novel if it doesn't get a screenplay adaptation oh my god and the jackal says and jen how you're making me read french yes i am (laughs) Oh, damn. And I didn't even get to practice this. Ah, this counts. Duolingo. (sighs) I think this should count for Jen today. Well, yeah. Okay. We need to tag Duolingo in this because it should. Well, I already did a a lesson when I was eating my peanut butter. Double double credit, baby. With with rye crackers. (laughs) Okay. Il y a une femme dans toutes les affaires. How was that so far? Il y a une femme dans, dans toutes les tout, affaires. Toutes les affaires. Oh, I forgot the liaison. The illusion, yeah. Les affaires. Les affaires. Les affaires. I do not know this next word. Aussitôt. To... Aussitôt. Cru. En... Con. Con. Mm-hmm. Mais fait en rapport. Je dis, cherchez la femme. Aussitôt, aussitôt qu'on me fait un rapport, je dis chercher la femme. Aussitôt qu'on me fait un rapport, je dis chercher la femme. I will say, you've Everyone lost your Spanish. Everyone out there that knows French is cringing right now. You know now. what? You've lost your Spanish accent. What? For real? For real. That was not a Spanish accented French. That was someone who is struggling for actual French pronunciation. Oh. That's so sweet. And osito, uh, just for your daily grammar lesson, means as soon as. Oh, okay. Or literally it means also early, but basically okay. that translates to as soon as. So there is a woman at the center of every case. As soon as someone brings me a case report, I say, look for the woman. Oh my God. It even became a common throwaway colloquial response in everyday conversation. For example, Je n'ai plus d'argent. Yeah. How, was, did, how did I do? That was, again, uh, you've lost your Spanish. <laughs> I don't have any more money. <laughs> je n'ai plus d'argent. Cherchez la femme. Look for the woman. So if somebody said, ah, oh, je n'ai plus d'argent, you'd say, cherchez la femme. Oh, wow. Basically, my wife spends all my goddamn money. Oh, my God. Oh, that's okay. And so speaking of looking for the woman, if we look for the woman in mythology, what do we usually find? We find a goat. A scapegoat. (laughs) Not one of those happy little goats that was living peaceably with uh, ancient Greek men before there were any women, which was apparently the ideal state of affairs for them, but a scapegoat. 
A woman who causes all trouble, releases bad things into the world, stirs up strife between men. And it's not just the ancients and biblical characters, because remember Freya and the necklace of the Brissings? I remember some of it. So Freya, um, goddess of love and war in Norse mythology, she uh, saw this fabulous piece of jewelry made by the dwarves. Right. And she uh, had to, she really, really wanted it. And the dwarves were like, fine, but you got to sleep with each one of us. So for seven nights. I remember that now. Yeah. She slept with each of the dwarves, which was, you know, obviously we don't feel this way today or we shouldn't culturally. But back then it was, you know, basically sleep with a freak in order to get what you want. And, Odin was pissed off about this because Loki was like, ha ha, bitch, guess what? I'm paying you back for that, like, thing you pulled on me the other day. And he goes and tells Odin, and Odin's like, well, get that necklace for me. So Loki gets the necklace for her, for Odin from Freya, and Freya's like, bitch, give me back my necklace. And Odin's like, you can have it, but you got to go stir up some more because it's been peaceful around here. Oy, oy, oy. So Freya has to pay the price of being an object of lust by the dwarves. She has to pay with her body because her money's no good. And right. she has to pay the price of taking the blame for humanity's ills and war because Odin doesn't want to play by the rules he himself and, you know, their mythology right. sets out of, you know, play nice. Okay. And so if we look at the myth of Pandora and Chercher la Femme, what kind of woman are we exactly going to find? Um, also, side note, the Greeks have this creepy fascination with inanimate women coming to life. Like, I'm looking at you, Pygmalion and Galatea. <laughs> All right. I remember that one. <laughs> yep. He <laughs> fucked a statue to life. He did. <laughs> <laughs> no consent necessary, I guess. Um, but what was Pandora? Who was Pandora? And sprit, sprickly streaking. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Maybe you need something to drink instead of water. Right? My sobriety is killing me. <laughs> strictly speaking, we pretty much have Buckus in terms of her own words, her own story, or even her own motivations. Even Eve, like, gets more depth in like what led her to do what she did and her excuses and her feelings about the consequences. But yeah, Pandora, she is a thing created, a thing decorated, a thing given with purpose, but without a purpose of her own. Because remember, Zeus was like, Prometheus, you fucking bitch. You tricked me with my barbecue order and now I'm stuck with this. Mm. You also gave them fire. Like, what the fuck? I'm going to fuck over this humanity that you love so much by giving them women. Okay. Wow. And we pretty much have only Hesiod's word for Pandora's story proper. And he puts two different phrases in Zeus's mouth to describe her. And these are the ancient Greek terms, and And I probably pronounced that bit of ancient Greek with a French accent. (laughs) But the first translates to a beautiful evil. Mm. And the Uh. second is basically how we get the word antagonist. 
Oh, it did sound. I was like, wait, this sounds like something I should know. And yeah, antagonist. I okay. will eventually seduce you into etymology. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just a yeah. spreadsheet, only vertical. Okay. <laughs> but, but beautiful evil. That's like a Southern compliment. It's really not a compliment. Oh, you're so nice. You're so sweet. And, oh, and you, you know, special? it's interesting because uh, Natalie Haynes does point out that it could be also interpreted as an ugly good. Oh, interesting. And we're going to get into that in a second because I'm, we're going to take a deeper look into the chapter okay. um, that she wrote. But let me just say, while I was digging through all of this, I kind of came up with my own little pet theory, which I'm sure is nothing new because nothing is fucking new. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's a debate about the words used. Is it Pandora's jar? Is it Pandora's box? And that oh. got me thinking because my mind usually is like, hey, I'm over here in the gutter. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, box is a vulgar slang term for vagina. What? They fucking end. Back after this with questions and shit. Oh, shit. We now return to the Drunk Mythology Gals for part two, questions and shit. All right, so this part really is going to be questions and shit because... Oh my God, yeah. I've run out of a little bit of steam in terms of being able to stare at the computer screen and still wanting yeah. to get an episode yeah. out. And so I'm, it's yeah. going to be a hodgepodge. But let's start with the, the slightly fun stuff. Okay. Because um, there is literally a uh, wonderful website called Timelines of Slang. Okay which is a spreadsheet. And this guy has uh, done an amazing English language or, you know, as far as we can start to identify English language, because, you know, you have Old English, Middle English, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, terms for all kinds of slang, including, you know, what we call the VJJ. Oy, oy, oy. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, the word, and I'm sorry if I offend anyone, but I'm also not sorry because we have to say the word sometimes because if we're afraid of saying any words, then the euphemisms become just as prohibitive. So, right. the word cunt okay. was uh, approximately found in somewhere between 1229 and 1230 CE. Wow. That word is that old. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And um, interestingly, we can jump all the way to, hang on, and I'm, again, this is part of why I do have to apologize because it is, uh, I you know, I would have cut and paste a bunch of this into the, and now it's frozen, um, into the other text. <laughs> but yeah, so there's, uh, hang on, I, I had another article that did talk about other uh, words. So let's see, in 1600, it was called, the vagina was called the Chapel of Ease. What? E-A-S-E. The, e -A -S -E, the oh. Chapel of Ease. 
Oh my, I, what, huh? <laughs> Where did they come up with that? It was also called a tinderbox in 1638. Tinderbox? Tinderbox. It was called a purse in 1538. Um, wait, wait, wait. What comes first? Do we get? Hunt. Wait, wait, wait. Purse. The the way I know purse now, was it like a, a you know, something I was... carry on my arm to put, you know, like my, a, my image so a purse was more in my purse? Like, <laughs> so a purse was more like what we Americans, and I know all of our UK listeners are going to be like, ha ah! ha. It's what we call a fanny pack, even though in the UK, fanny is the word for slang for vagina. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> yup. It doesn't end. Okay, uh, so yeah. what I'm wondering is, was purse already something for carrying around your oh, possessions yeah. and then they started using the term to describe the vagina? Um, so or was it my guess is because I had to legit pull myself out of this rabbit hole, but I have saved oh. all the sources because you know okay. it's gonna be a deep dive. Oh <laughs> a deep dive. <laughs> I'm going I know to, what you did there. I, I am you. going to die and kill every one of our listeners with all the puns. But a you know, purse is you know, it's syn synonymous in the old days with like a pocket or, you know, uh, there's the Shakespeare quote, uh, he who steals my purse steals trash. Uh, oh, okay. he who steals my, uh, he who steals my purse, uh, steals trash. It has been mine, his and servant to a thousand others. I'm paraphrasing, but that's as best as I can do from memory. But basically it's saying, steal my money. Fine. Pick my pocket, whatever it, it, steal my honor and you steal something that hurts only me hmm. but again uh we'll do another okay. uh deep dive another time with that but yeah. but purses pockets humanity has always had the need to carry something with them sure yeah i mean how else are you going to carry your clay tab your ostraca <laughs> <laughs> For writing the grocery list. <clears throat> but, you know, they've, yeah. they've called it the uh, mossy heat. Mossy heat. Oh, these are just terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, they've called it Venus's court. <laughs> um, okay. <sighs> yeah. Venus's glove. Uh the dripping pan, the chapel of ease. What? The dripping pan? Oh, the my dripping. God. Yeah. Next time you roast a chicken. Oh, my God. I am so happy to have ruined chicken. Ruined Thanksgiving for everybody in the United <laughs> States when we roast our turkeys. And Sunday dinner for everyone else. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you know what? Just for that, I am adding... <laughs> chicken to the grocery list i'm gonna roast a goddamn chicken i don't know when it'll probably spoil before i can get around to roasting yeah. it <laughs> uh you know it's been called a saddle a uh fort a pit uh oh it's one of the most common translations going all the way back to you know these ancient time periods that we're talking about though is 
it's half of the sword and sheath. Uh, okay. You know, if a man's, yeah. uh, what did Shakespeare call it? Hang on, hang on. He called it a... Uh, Shakespeare called it, there's something he specifically called it. It's like a winkly wonkly. Uh, uh, anyway, I'll find it. But uh, yeah, before you put your winky dinky. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> into the chapel of ease. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> chapel of ease. Oh my God. Anyway. But the whole idea of the woman being a receptacle right. has yes. been the origin of even the earliest pornographic cave paintings. Oh. Because, you know, I listened to that book about uh, yes. cave art over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's got to be a deep dive. That's going to be a new segment. Ooh. We're going to call it a book report. Oh. Because okay. I'm on board. I, yeah. Because, like, no one – I'll be like – the summary you never needed, you never knew you needed and may probably didn't need, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I, um, yeah, I, I love cave art and, you know, I have a lot of books about it and I listen to a lot of books about it. And one of the things that they say is, hey, first of all, it's never fucking aliens. Right. And, <laughs> which I texted you with like tears of joy. Yes. Um, but also that, you know humans because we've had the same brain structure for a really long time we've been making the same jokes for a really long time yes and so yeah. even in ancient uh greek the word for vagina in ancient greek is koleos okay which anatomically means vagina in botany it means sheath and it generally means scabbard for a sword oh my word okay Wow. So if anybody has ever had a colposcopy. Okay. Wonder where that word came from. Oh. Colposcopy. Colonoscopy? Col coleos? Colonoscopy? No, colposcopy. Col Col so that's different. It's where they go and they take a look at your cervix. Oh. Okay. And that's prior to usually a cervical biopsy. Ah. Fun times. Um, but yeah. Not the same as a colonoscopy. But also, <laughs> um, so this, the reason we <laughs> lighten the mood a little bit with the talk of what to call your cunny. Oh my God. <laughs> is because it's a legit issue in this story of Pandora that I don't, you know, Haynes didn't really dip into it into it that much, but oh. I would like to stick a pin in that because I think that, you know, if my mind in the 21st century goes to the fucking gutter, yeah, mm -hmm. nothing is new. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And what she talks about is how the, you know, we hear the word Pandora's box all the time. Pandora's right. box. It's like, right. you know, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Right. Yeah. But the word box is actually a mistranslation. Oh, why do I feel like you've told me this before? I think I might have mentioned it in J-Hope's jar. 
Okay. Because originally it was not that long ago, but at the same time, it was so long ago. Eons. <laughs> but basically, this uh, dude in the 1530s named Erasmus kind of made, again, who knows what version he was working from and what happened before that. You know, I I don't blame him for making, you know, this mistake in translation because A, I don't know enough and B, also, you know, given it's not like there's the Wayback Machine to check all this shit. Right, right. He translated the ancient Greek word for jar to box. And the words are actually very similar. And as when we get into the quotes I wanted to pull out from her chapter, uh, I'll I'll find, because I underlined and starred it. (laughs) (laughs) But the word that we're actually looking for is jar. And specifically, we're looking for a word called pixis. Okay. And I'm going to go into our... Uh, I am going to go into our list here and I'm going to paste a picture of the um, I was so close to getting off the hook for a not to scale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You knew that there was shit already mentioned. Um, Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I have the note. So this (laughs) jar or you know, it's not a box. It's a it's a jar, and it's not a big one either. It's a small jar, the kind that I don't know if you were me, you'd accidentally knock over while you were reaching for something else. Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And put a pin in that because it matters. Oh. But you know, you've got this jar that kind of has this. Uh, lip on the lid where again hope is supposed to have not been actually at the bottom of the jar but been clinging to the lid the inside of the lid okay. which is also kind of interesting because you know if it's not the last thing maybe it was the first thing put in there but you know if we talk about boxes and jars and we talk about the symbolism of woman as a receptacle and a holder and, you know, a gestator, then certain things about Pandora's box or jar start to become kind of interesting, right? Yeah. So we've got the issue of the jar or the box. And, um, okay, so here's why I think, oh, I found the quote. So, the uh, mistake that Erasmus made is he uh, he was reading probably the myth of Pandora and uh, he was reading the myth of Psyche because if you've okay. listened to our Lit Crit Hour 12, part two, part one, sorry, part one, I tell the story of Psyche and Eros, and Psyche is sent to collect beauty from Persephone in a box, which is, in ancient Greeks, it's puxos, P-U-X-O-S in our transliteration. Okay. But pyxis, P-Y-X-I-S, is 
more usually the translation and it kind of sounds like pithos which is jar so mm. you've got box jar you've got multiple versions and yeah. you know the thing about the jar versus the box is that even the ancient greeks were like yeah jars are fucking tippable okay yeah yeah you know a box is square and flat and sturdy a jar you can tip that shit over right yeah yeah right so you know i'm like haynes says you know it's hard to put blame on erasmus for all this because who knows what version he was copying from and you know i don't think he particularly meant to create a malicious image right. um but you know you've got um Okay, so let's go to some of her quotes here about what the story is from Hesiod that we have. And so interestingly, if, you know, I've mentioned Adam and Eve. Right. Um, so she says here, Pandora is very different from Eve. Adam and Eve will be the ancestors of all future men and women alike, but Pandora will be the antecedent of women alone. Hmm. And Pandora is made of earth itself. Oh. She's not a rib. Right. She's not rib meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she Zeus to the grocery Zeus list. Zeus is like, hey, I've run out of coupons for Hobby Lobby, but there's some clay down by the river. He literally builds her out of clay. Yeah. And you know, uh Haynes points out that she, you know, we don't really get anything about what she was like or what she liked or you know, her personality. The only uh toss away thing that we get is that she liked her pretty dress which fair play like uh, if i had a dress given to me by the gods i'd probably be like damn this is fine yeah now um so pandora is according to hesiod made of earth and water and she is given human voice and strength but she will have the face and form of an immortal goddess. Hmm. So Athena is charged with teaching her to weave, which again, Penelope, it's productivity and virtue all wrapped up into one, but it can also be used for deceit and trickery. Okay. Because remember Penelope spent 10 years weaving yep. one shroud. Yes. Athena is charged with nice teaching her slow. to weave and Aphrodite must give her golden grace, painful desire and limb gnawing sufferings. Whoa. And, uh, but these are not Pandora's own characteristics that they are what she will inspire in men. Oh my goodness. So basically okay. she gave them the very first heart on. Oh Although I don't know, there were a lot of goats. They talked about a lot of goats. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, you know, the graces got involved, persuasion and ours uh, gave her decoration. The god Hermes gave her a <clears throat> dog-like mind. Fenrir? 
if only, but he means in a docile, dumb, obedient way. (gasps) That that's not my, my Fenrir. That's not your Fenrir. That wouldn't be Fenrir's mate. That wouldn't be Fenrir's pups. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but basically, uh, you know, you know the story of Sleeping Beauty? Yes. Where Pricks, all the fairies come all the fairies singing. come and give a gift to yes. Aurora? Yes. And then the very last fairy gives her something evil. You know, Isn't I I'm kind not of, sure I remember the gifts. Or is that for They gave her different... grace, they gave her beauty, they gave her sweetness, they gave her talent, they gave her a musical voice. Okay. And then Maleficent shows up and she's like, bitch you're gonna die. Okay, Try spinning. Right. Which is actually probably something that we need to go into in a lit crit <gasps> hour because Oh my god, the spinning, spinning weaving is like weaving. Oh my god, I made the connection, Kate. <laughs> Like, this is a two gold star episode. Oh, my God. Maybe three, because, like, I haven't heard any Spanish. (laughs) But interestingly, Haynes points out that, like, unlike uh, Sleeping Beauty, who is a baby when she receives these gifts, and so, therefore, has been gifted some degree of autonomy and free will with what she does with them as she grows up. Okay. Pandora is a grown woman, at least of marriageable age, ready to go to her husband's house. Mm. She doesn't get a chance to grow up and choose her own path. Right. And so, um, you know, she's basically a doll. She's basically a sex doll. Ugh. Because she's meant Ugh. to entice and inspire desire. She's meant to, um, you know, she's meant to torment the minds of men to, you know, punish them to cater to their basis, you know, desires and needs. And <clears throat> she's a gift from the gods. This is horrible. Does it explain some of the bitterness of ancient Greek writing <laughs> towards yeah. women? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, again, you know, she is a beautiful good. She's a beautiful evil or an ugly good. Wow. Depends if you look her at her inside or her outside. Ugh, this is horrible. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, she, Haynes uh, talks about, she is, Here's a quote I love. She is the mechanism by which Zeus decides to take his revenge. So how much agency does she really have? She was created by Zeus with a purpose. She was given by Zeus for a purpose. Um, If she stood up to Zeus in this scenario, uh, her best case was being struck by lightning and or obliterated. Worst case scenario is having your liver pecked out every day for eternity like Prometheus. Oh my God. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Hesiod also mentions that that fucker Hermes gave her as a gift a treacherous and deceitful nature. And um, by the way, Hermes, yeah, there's a reason he's 
likened to Loki so much because he kind of walks away from all this. Like he just drops this shit and he's like, yeah, I gave her, I was told to give her a gift. I gave her a gift. And yeah. What are you, what are you adding me for? Oh yeah. Um, and again, I apologize for the slightly more fragmented version, uh, yeah. uh feel of this, but again, I've had issues <laughs> with it. Yeah. But, oh, so Nathaniel Hawthorne, Tanglewood yeah. Tales for Boys and Girls, published Tanglewood. in 1853. Okay. And basically, he uh, he introduces Epimetheus, Epipen, Pandora's oh. husband, and Pandora, and tells a uh, not-so-subtle retelling of Adam and Eve. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, again, with the moral culpability placed on Pandora. Mm, okay. And, yeah. Um, and if, if we go back to uh, Pandora's playlist, I think it was episode seven that we still have to re-record, but... Um, Pandora's playlist is uh, in there. I talk about whether, and I, I actually talked about this before I, I read this book, but is this, is Pandora meant to be the last little bit of hope, like the bit of redemption that we get as kind of a break? Or is hope meant to be the cruelest punishment of all? I, uh, yeah, that's, that might be an episode all in itself. <laughs> right? Breaking that down. Yeah. And you see why now I had trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, um, is Pandora a trick or a trickster? Is she evil? Is she just a tool? Um, but guess what? There's also a version where it may not have been Pandora who opened the box or knocked over the jar. It could have been <gasps> EpiPen. Oh. Damn. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, there's a guy named Theogonus who wrote uh, these things called the elegies, and we have fragments of them from the 6th century BCE, so about 200 years after Hesiod. But okay. he suggests that Pandora's jar is full of good things rather than bad. Okay. He suggests that when the jar is opened, everything good, self-control, trust, etc., flies away, which is why we so rarely find them among mortal men. Mm. Only hope is the one good that did not abandon us. Okay. Yeah. And um, again, there is, there's an engraving uh, of Epimetheus opening Pandora's box. It's a piece of work in the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Okay. Road trip. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, you know, you've got all these things and again, chercher la femme because over, you know, what might've been a little bit foggy, but not probably very foggy has become entrenched as Eve's apple, the forbidden fruit and Pandora's box. Wow. Okay. And this is why talking about mythology matters. Yes. Because these are the primal versions of the stories that, you know, uh, that we just adopt every day in our own society. And I would like to wrap up with a little... uh, Language lesson. Okay. From Natalie Haynes. All right. And again, I haven't done this chapter justice. It's it, it it's funny, it's erudite, it's accessible. This erudite. Is, it, it is erudite. I don't know what that word means. That's not accessible. <laughs> <laughs> That's my mistake for using that word then, because she erudite means researched scholarly you know it had it has the receipts gotcha okay so you give me an accounting (laughs) reference she's got receipts she got receipts all over this she got receipts (laughs) so um pericles uh was a famous athenian politician and so in 431, in Pericles's funeral oration, the Athenian ideal espoused in Pericles's funeral oration was that women should aspire never to be talked about, either in terms of blame or praise. The greatest virtue, in other words, that an Athenian woman could aspire to was to be registered almost not to exist. And it is a gratifying quirk of Pericles's character that he could make this speech while living with the famous, most famous, or perhaps notorious woman in Athens, one mentioned from by everyone from comedians to philosophers, Aspasia, who was a courtesan. Oh. And who was a bad bitch. One of the few bad bitches stories that survives. So okay. thankfully, and this is why I love Natalie Haynes. She says, thankfully, the hypocrisy of centering women's behavior in general while maintaining an entirely different set of standards for the actual woman you know has now died out. Oh. If you didn't catch that irony, I don't blame you. It was really heavy. That, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> my my brain's got to process that. <laughs> I, yeah. Again. Okay. Yeah. We, you know, this, the more I dug into this, and even though I was sick, I kept going, finding these rabbit holes, whether it was etymology, yeah. vulgar slang, domestic abuse, yes. why we continue to accept stories without questioning them. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's not whataboutism. It's, it's not, I'm just asking. It, it's okay to ask. But right. if somebody produces the receipts, then you got to say, okay, you got the receipts. Yeah. And yeah. 
you know, um, this is, this was a heavy episode and a ragey yeah. episode and it kind of encapsulate, encapsulates how I've been feeling for the past three weeks. So, uh, Jen, do you want to give us a final comment? Yes. So we, we covered some pretty rough stuff at the very beginning and I wanted to just provide any of our listeners in the United States, we have a national domestic abuse helpline that you can call if you're in one of these situations, if you are one of these statistics. I think that's how you described it. And it doesn't have to be physical abuse either. I'm right. just, you know. It, right. It, it can, can be psychological, it, emotional, mental. It's, yep. yeah, it, it takes many forms. There is a phone number that you can call in the United States, 1-800-799-7233. I tried to look up what number in the UK, because that is our second largest uh, listener location, mm -hmm. and they don't have one centralized number. They have like different numbers that do different things in like- in But if any of our UK or, listeners do know yeah. sort of like- you know, uh, a more general, it might not show up in a Google search or whatever, right. but if, yes. if you have yeah. a yeah. number that you think would be useful to share in yeah. the, um, UK and <clears throat> Ireland or whatever, you know, drop us a line and we will definitely share it in the next episode. Yes. And then for suicide. Yeah. This is, uh, it's just, uh, that break, suicide breaks my heart. It really, really does. Yep. Um, here in the U.S., you can just dial 988. That's it. Mm -hmm. 988 in the United States. And that gets you to somebody that can help you or talk yeah. to you. Or just listen. listen. Or just listen. Yep. In the U.K., they have a phone number. 0800. I hope I'm saying that the way they, they <laughs> say it. Oh, 800. Say, say it with a... <laughs> You say it with French accent. Six eight nine five six five two. Yeah, I don't. But you should probably do that clearly. Yeah, oh eight hundred zero eight zero zero. There you go. Okay, six, precision, eight, motherfuckers. Okay, let me start over. Kate keeps interrupting me. Zero eight zero zero six eight nine five six five two. So that's in the UK. That's the National Suicide Helpline. And again, yeah. it doesn't have to be you're at the moment where you're going to do it or not. If Just, you yeah. if you think about it even in passing, right. Talk to somebody. Yeah. We've all, I mean, I won't say we all, but like, yeah, I've been there. Same. And yeah, you know, if you you know, it's one of those things like a pernicious story that grows if it goes without somebody to listen and question. So, yep. and we're here for you, you know, as, there's as not much we can we do, can. but we love, yeah. we love you. We love all yeah. of our listeners and, yeah. you know, you're not alone. <laughs> well, oh yeah. We, we try to be as real as we can here. So, yep. you, you know, we are authentic 
people. Yep. <laughs> and you have the power of the rage and the spreadsheet. <laughs> the rage and the spreadsheet. <laughs> if we were Wonder Twins, that would be our fucking power. Man. <laughs> so yeah, that was disturbing. I get it. I know, yes. but I feel like it was important. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, Especially I appreciate this. with yeah. everything that has been going on and uh, yeah. So, but we got a Fenrir mention. We did. Barely. Barely. <laughs> Thank you for remembering because I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I really hope yeah. I can drink next week. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some big deadlines coming up at the end of this week. And it's like, if I can meet those deadlines, I will start drinking this weekend. Just and for I the fuck of it. I will continue <laughs> drinking until we record again. <laughs> oh, man. I, I want to be there with you. I have to be a little bit <laughs> careful right now. But yeah. I'm so exaggerating next week, as well. I, I, it's still August. I still have time to do the vacation episode. <laughs> I actually have already underlined and started taking notes on it. It's, okay. It's just. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, in the meantime. Uh, subscribe yourselves to our social media scrolls on Instagram at Drunk Mythology Gals. On Twitter at Drunk Myth Gals. On Facebook at Drunk Mythology Gals. And half of our notes are gone. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> Where did the rest of the notes go? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so we did uh, on Patreon at Drunk Mythology Gals. Uh, at Patreon.com slash Drunk Mythology Gals. <laughs> or there's also, uh, I'm pulling up the Swoose episode. The website. I'm on, I'm on the Swoose <laughs> episode. I'm scrolling the Swoose episode. Uh, scrolling. We all hate scrolling. the Swoose. We no means nothing swoose. to a Swoose. <laughs> okay, we covered Instagram. We covered Twitter. We covered Facebook. Covered the web. Patreon. Did you mention Patreon? I did. I just did. Okay. God damn it. Or Send us email, gals at drunkmythologygals.com. I haven't checked that. Too. We'll get to it before the end of August. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. special thanks as yeah. always to Sound Effects Kim for not only putting up with us the past two weeks, but putting the top spin on our sound. And thanks again to all of you for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, bitch, uh, Peter, uh, chapter three, verses one through whatever the fuck. Yeah. yeah. Finally, yeah. always remember, if the gods can behave badly, so can you. 